0: welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I'm going to be your unblinking host, Abraham. <laughs> and I'm going to be your mustachioed host, Shane. Nice. Yeah. We're a psychology podcast, and every year, in the month of October, we like to celebrate our favorite ho- our favorite Halloween, our favorite holiday, <laughs> Halloween-a-day, by talking about episodes that are themed around sort of spooky, Halloween-like topics. And this is our third year of this and today we get to talk about what makes things creepy to us.
1: Yeah, we thought this was going to be fun because, you know, if we are going to dive into things that are creepy or spooky or anything like that, we should probably understand like what are the characteristics or what are the things that happen when we identify those things as creepy like when we talk about these episodes like we talk about vampires and we talk about like some of the stuff that we're going to come up with later and all that like when we talk about these things they are inherently spooky creepy unsettling but we want to understand why and i think this is this is one that we're going to try to answer today hopefully we might we might get close but we're not quite sure just yet
0: fair enough anyway if you like what you hear today and would like to see it in action, Mm -hmm. then if you join us on Patreon, you get access to a video recording, which is many, many minutes of us, at least today, soapboxing about things. Uh, Also include some discussions about, I don't know, what were we talking about before we hit record?
1: We were talking about a few things. We were talking about Great British Bake Off, which is the opposite of creepy.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So TV shows, music, politics, all kinds of fun stuff. That is available to people who support us on Patreon. You get access to videos, you get early releases of episodes, you can get access to our notes, all kinds of cool stuff. So you can join for as little as a dollar a month. The higher a level at which you join, the more content you get additional access to as a thank you for people who are are able to support us. That's not for everybody. Not always easy to be able to shell out a few extra bucks a month if you're on a tight budget. Instead, if you'd like to support us, you can also leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this, and always share it with a friend. Yes. So enough of me being creepy and our self-promoting, aggrandizingness. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk about what makes things creepy, shall we?
1: Yep. So in this episode, we're going to try to answer the following questions: What is creepy? Who is creepy? And why is creepy?
0: Perfect. Love those wh questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're so good. So the definition of creepy is an adjective that means, quote, causing an unpleasant feeling of fear or unease, end quote. You can see where that would probably grab a lot of different things. Yeah. But we're going to get a little bit deeper into the idea of creepy and creepiness specifically.
0: Right. Because that's just a little bit more fun. It's one of those things sort of like that Justice who talked about pornography. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. And I feel like that's similar here. Like, under what condition do we feel this unease? And when we feel unease, is it at the point where we label it as terror? Is it actual just being creeped out? What is that feeling? And and, and it's sort of you know it when you feel it, and and something that that's unsettling sort of experience. And so because this is just a general human experience, it's likely that creepiness has been around since you know humanity has been around. <laughs> yeah. But Interestingly, what I learned in our preparation for this is that the term the creeps, as in like when you get the creeps, was first used in the book David Copperfield, the 1849 novel by Charles Dickens. Yeah. Which is wild. I had no idea that that's when that was first used. And in context, the term was used to describe an unpleasant, tingly chill up the spine. Yeah. An R.L. Stein spine.
1: I really love the idea that Charles Dickens, the guy that wrote A Christmas Carol, Like also like coined the term the creeps and like made that popular. Like I find that really fascinating. So it wasn't until the early 2010s, though, that psychologists actually began to study and evaluate the concept of creepiness. So it's a fairly new psychological phenomenon that we don't really know a lot about. And you'll find as we go forward, there's a lot of conjecture and a lot of theorizing about this and not a lot of evidence to support like where it comes from, why it happens and all that. But we've got some theories that we're going to dig into.
0: And new in terms of where the research is at. It's definitely yes. uh, <laughs> otherwise not new, as I mentioned, very, very old. And I think you look no further than some of the Americana of the 60s and 70s, and there is some weird sort of creepiness going on just in Mm -hmm. general. Yeah. Not to mention our horrific history of abuse and violence toward people who were not white, cisgender men. Yep. And somehow that being perpetuated to the extent that it was, so... Yeah, as society continued to advance, new things have been identified as being creepy. And one that might have jumped out immediately to some of our listeners is the concept of the uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. And this one's fun. We actually, because of us talking about this and, and preparing for this episode, this is now on the list for things to talk about in the future is the uncanny valley, because that's a, a really fascinating topic to unpack where it comes from, what it yeah. means. but essentially in the field of robotics and AI when developing uh, the attempt to develop real life looking features that they don't quite make it to looking real. Yeah. And so they're like, they're unrealistic just enough to make it off putting. And what's interesting about this. And again, we'll talk about this more in the episode, but we're willing to tolerate a lack of reality. That's really in stark contrast. So when we look at a cartoon and they've got, exaggerated features like large eyes and exaggerated nose and ears, all of that does not actually strike us as being creepy generally. But as soon as you get that animated character to look pretty similar to a human, then we start to experience it as being creepy. And that's the uncanny valley place.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of wild. I can't wait to dig into that topic. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, for sure. So there's also, you know, things that are that are creepy are like the dark corners of the Internet where cryptids are born. Like we're looking at you, Slender Man, right? The idea that like the whole Slender Man phenomenon becomes super creepy and becomes yeah. even more creepy when it's brought into reality, like the young the young ladies that tried to kill their friend over Slender Man and this new kind of like 2000s era cryptid. But the idea that like there are parts of the Internet that are like that. They're creepy things that exist. You know, it's 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 kind of a new thing.
0: Yeah. And so uh, new discoveries or phenomena that cannot easily be explained or may only occur at random times might appear as creepy. For example, the bloop. I don't know what that is. You don't know what the bloop is? Oh, no. So before the show
1: started, we were talking about Lovecraft and Cthulhu and all that. The bloop was a noise that was recorded in the middle of the Pacific near the Marianas Trench. And it was unlike any sound that was ever recorded by man on pla- on the planet ever. And so, like, kind of the thought is that it's Cthulhu, like, just waking up and, you know, shrouding the world in darkness. But the, it's, it's basically this big this noise that was recorded, and it was recorded by several instruments. And nobody knows what made that noise, how that noise came about, what kind of animal or creature or interplanetary thing or interdimensional creature might have made that thing. So, like, it's it's a really weird phenomenon.
0: It seems like a, a small thing to attribute to a monster like Cthulhu. Like, oh no, he made a bloop sound. It's definitely more
1: unsettling than that. Okay. <laughs> but they call it the bloop for some reason. All right,
0: that's fair. Yeah. So
1: another creepy thing is the incel community. And <laughs> 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 In many of the conversations that are obsessive about wanting partners and deserving sex, despite that not being the case. So when I say the incel community, I'm not t- I'm talking about like kind of the languaging around that, where it's like right. there are a group of people, uh, if you're not familiar, it's involuntarily cel- celibate. The idea is that they uh, there's a group of like kind of high testosterone filled dudes that are like, I deserve sex and women should give me sex no matter what. And it borders on creepy stalking and even violence. And so that kind of takes on. It's a whole new like a whole new thing. It's, it's, it's really unsettling.
0: Yeah. The people who never aged out of the playground years when pulling a girl's pigtails was indicative of you flirting with them. The girl didn't like it. Yeah. And then you didn't uh, have anyone to hold hands with. And then they just stayed in that phase for the remainder of. Humanity believing that they have been wronged because their misogyny has not turned anyone on to them. Right. But I mean, imagine that's probably right up right up the alley of someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, totally. Yeah. Maybe they find a partner there.
1: Yeah. It's a whole thing.
0: All right. Now, in some instances, the feelings of creepiness that sort of the unknown have led to some sort of aberrant behavior. And this is kind of a theme we see time and time again is what happens when you create fear. Yeah. These aversive contexts, what people do. So, you know, like when people were burning witches alive because they didn't understand that the fine folks in the woods were just trying to make a nice soup and they weren't trying to make a poison (laughs) or a potion to control their children. They weren't trying to kill your livestock or ruin the town.
1: Or they just got sick, like in the cases of Mercy Brown. She just got sick and then now she's, it's a whole thing.
0: They just got sick. Exactly right. So, yeah, these what would normally be, for the most part, natural phenomenon getting attributed to magical causes and then someone blaming somebody else.
1: Well, what you'll see is like as you learn more about a phenomenon and as you understand more about phenomenon, it becomes less creepy for the most part.
0: Yeah. And there, there's some exceptions to that. We'll we'll be listing some soon where they, they probably become more creepy the more you learn about them.
1: Yeah. there's There's always exceptions to the rule. So the first question we're going to ask is what happens when you feel the creeps? And when you experience something creepy, you may experience a number of sensations as a result. One of those sensations might more like physical sensations might see physiological changes in the body. Evolutionary psychologists will attribute this to having an evolutionary benefit. We're going to talk more about that later. But some folks that experience these physiological or physical physical sensations might experience heightened responses and awareness. Like so, you might be more aware of your surroundings. You might actually experience chills. Some people report like a drop in temperature in the rooms that they're in. And we'll talk about a particular thing that actually researchers caused that in some participants, which was kind of interesting.
0: Crazy. Yeah. Of course, you might have an increased heart rate. As these sort of fight or flight responses kicking in, dilated pupils, letting as much light in as possible to make it easier to see is sort of a hypothesis for why that might be the case. But yeah, those are some other physiological features as well.
1: And that makes sense when you think about it. When there's a situation that is creepy, sometimes it is is likened to danger. Right. Right. And so yep. so you have these heightened senses, you have these heightened physiological responses because you're gonna have to escape or fight your way. You know, you're gonna have to find a way to survive. So that makes sense that these are Responses that come up now. You might also have psychological sensations and given that we are often we have complex relations with different things in our environment different cues and we link cues to other environmental events or other experiences and we'll talk more about that later. We're likely to experience some of the following like some people experience when they are in a state of stress or when they are in a state of danger that they might feel that time slows down. And that's why you have people that like in like serious, like significant crises modes, where it just feels like they are able to take in way more information because it seems like like time has slowed down. You get that psychological sensation of that.
0: That's closely related to the next thing, which is a feeling of vigilance of like being highly attentive to any changes in your immediate environment, sounds, shadows, light patterns, movement of any kind. There's just sort of a heightened sense of awareness like you are using the force or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you are in touch. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like Ralph Roberts from uh, Insomnia. Like you start seeing auras and gets really in tune with that.
0: Still still haven't read it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might also engage in self-talk to self-soothe, right? You might talk yourself out of a situation. Oh, that was just a shadow. Oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, I just got to get through this next part or this. I just got to get to the end of the street. Whatever it might be, you start maybe engaging in like this kind of like internal self-talk or maybe you even do it out loud. But the idea to kind of Calm yourself and convince yourself that the thing that you're seeing or the things that you're experiencing are not actually creepy. All
0: right. So, shall we talk about what the features of something that make it creepy? Yeah, let's do that. This is so much fun. Yeah. So, again, we sort of mentioned the Uncanny Valley and things like that. So, uh, when it comes to objects or circumstances, there are sort of a variety of reasons why something might be found to be creepy. And I'll sort of spoil the, the general conceit here, which is that mainly what this is going on is it's both cultural. And contextual and depends on Mm -hmm. your own sort of psychological experiences and history up to that point. There's not really a a hard and fast line in reality in terms of what makes something creepy. It depends a lot of the context. And specifically for that reason, events or objects that do occur outside of what might be considered a normal context might be considered creepy and therefore increase an individual's overall awareness and attentiveness to those sorts of features.
1: Yeah. So for an example, if you had a baby doll when you're a kid, it might not be creepy in itself, right? Baby dolls might not be creepy. I mean, now if you collect baby dolls, that might be a different conversation. Like if I if I collected baby dolls, that would be creepy.
0: But I think arguably right? you see like a young kid playing with a doll, like it's probably kind of cute, right? You know. Right. You're not necessarily thinking like, oh look, they've got that doll. What a creepy kid.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's like a normal context. But if you had a baby doll that you lost when you were 10. And you walk into your bathroom and it's just sitting there on the toilet staring at you out of nowhere. Definitely creepy. Also, maybe get out of that house.
0: (laughs) Make sure the doll has no sharp objects immediately within reach. (laughs)
1: Yes, exactly. Please, please avoid that doll because that doll is out to hurt you. But the idea is like that's an out of context thing, right? Like if I lost my baby doll and then I see it twenty years later in a context that it shouldn't exist in, then that's going to be kind of unsettling. And that's a, an extreme example, but that is why like if you're hiking on a nature trail, right, and you find like a baby doll in the bushes that somebody had discarded and it's maybe aged and like weather worn and all that, that's kind of a creepy looking thing.
0: Sure, and just as you said that in in the context you described. It almost doesn't matter like how long it's been, in my opinion. But in both contexts, you have the exact same thing: a doll, right? The, the doll that's of a baby, right? It's you know, it's not real, but it's made to look like a baby. In one context, that might be cute, kind of endearing, at least neutral. In another context, it's very, very creepy. I mean, regardless of where how where that doll has been, if you walk into the bathroom and it's like sitting there staring at you, and you know that nobody put it there specifically that's going to feel creepy.
1: (laughs) That's the, yeah, no thanks.
0: Yeah. that, That context is really important because you know, it's the same exact stimulus, but totally different situations. Exactly. Now, as we're also sort of alluding to, there also might be some language that we bring to these sort of circumstances, which is to say, what are our thoughts, our overall sort of cultural considerations we bring that and how we relate to things that makes them creepy. For instance, particularly in the United States, but probably certainly in many other places, Dark alleys can be really creepy.
1: And again, this is how we language around this stuff, because we might not consider these just in general creepy things on the surface, but we talk sure. about these things in creepy context so often that they become creepy. Like, for example, thin mustaches.
0: <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Those can certainly appear creepy. Those have been used probably also that the reason they're creepy is how often they're used as a trope in movies to depict someone yes. who's being creepy. Yes. Another one is bugs. I think a lot of people argue that there is a biological and evolutionary reason for us to find bugs creepy. I don't know how much merit there is to that particular argument for a lot of reasons, but there are things about bugs that certainly are very different from how we experience this, this sort of normal world. And, and that brings us to, you know, or I guess that relates back to the fact that what feels sort of unnatural out of context can feel creepy. I mean, they've got these weird compound eyes sometimes they their skeleton yeah. is on the outside, they can move really fast, they can do a lot of damage. Yeah. They can be in swarms, they can be really, really loud, they have often iridescent colors, they could smell really bad. There's all kinds of features of bugs that are so different from I guess other animals that I could see there being some natural sense of feeling of creepiness toward them. But many people are also drawn to bugs. Yeah. And I think that if you are familiar enough with a bug, I can feel really cute. So I think, uh, you know, again, context.
1: Well, I think it's probably difficult to humanize bugs, too, where you can humanize like mammals and birds. Right. Like, you know, you can go, okay, like a like a dog has two eyes and a nose and a mouth like me. Yeah. Yeah. When you see when you see a fly, you go, they have way too many eyes and they (laughs) have wings. I don't have those things. I got to (laughs) go. Speaking of things that are inhuman, though, that are uncomfortable. Another thing that might be creepy would be Mitch McConnell. Where it's very difficult to humanize somebody like that. You um, know, like like somebody wearing a skin suit because that person is not human.
0: That's right. Just folds of flesh falling all over the place.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
0: boneless, a boneless human in a suit. <laughs> Speaking of Mitch McConnell, another creepy thing is a dead body <laughs> that looks like what used to be human but is now like in the state of decay. Even well-preserved, it can feel really creepy because you... There's another thing that, again, I may disagree with some psychologists on how they talk about this, but there's a sense of agency that you might expect from a humanoid being when you see them, and a lifeless humanoid being doesn't have that agency, and so there's something unsettling about what we're used to experiencing and what we're currently observing.
1: I mean, and think about this, like it might not be that it's like it's just a dead body, but it might be the stillness of the body. Yeah, it's the you know, like that type of thing is out of context for what you understand of the phenomenon of a human being. So that makes it makes perfect sense that you would be creeped out
0: by that although to be fair if i knew that they were dead and the body was animated i would be tremendously horrified yes i might go from creeped out to like straight fear in that case yeah i gotta go i i more or less appreciate the stillness but it is it is unsettling just because of getting more used to bodies moving so
1: yeah and we talked about that in the vampire episode with like the stakes when like a like when they would drive a stake into the person and it would go (sighs) yeah right no thanks I don't like that. So uh, another creepy thing would be like, you know, the kid down the road that like whenever you walk out to get your mail, they just stare at you and they don't say anything. Just stand in the middle of the road and stare at you. There's like three blonde kids that live across the street from my house now. And that's what they do when I go get the mail. It's very it's very unsettling.
0: (laughs) Florida, man. Yeah, it's weird. So this is an interesting one. So this is clowns. And I think that the official designation of fear of clowns is cholerophobia. Maybe I might be making that up. But there's, there's the official name. I'm not bothering to check right now. But yeah. anyway, so this is an interesting one because the whole point of clowns was to bring sort of joy and be silly. And so that's why they dress in these flamboyant colors and, and large oversized clothes and have these exaggerated features as it's meant to be silly. And I think for many kids, it still feels that way. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened is that because clowns do have these distorted humanoid features that they can appear very creepy, particularly for people who are a little older. Mm-hmm. And then they turned those creepy clowns into legitimate creepy clowns by making yeah. them like really severely grotesque. Like it. Yeah. The clown on American horror story. Mm-hmm. John Wayne Gacy didn't help at all. And so <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, he didn't, he didn't help that case at all. No. So I think that, Again, clowns are not inherently creepy, in my opinion, but I think that a lot of of attention has been paid to clowns as a venue for portraying creepiness Yeah, that has probably made it really hard to be a clown in this day and age. And we're going to talk more about clowns later, too. That
1: comes up in a study that, we, that we're going to talk about, which is a lot of fun. Speaking of clowns, another thing that's creepy is Mitch McConnell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: Oh, that was that was too good to pass up. Did, did not see that one coming. <laughs> that one was good. So besides those observable events that are kind of outside of our social norms or social context, events or outcomes that cannot be explained also produce a creepiness response or like some kind of feeling, right? So that would be like Castle Huska in the Czech Republic. Abraham, are you familiar with Castle Huska?
0: I'm not. I was going to say, I don't know if this is a deep cut or if I'm just woefully unaware, but tell us about Castle Huska.
1: So tell me if this sounds creepy. So there is a a castle built in pretty much the middle of nowhere in the Czech Republic, it has no strategic benefit to being built there. And in all of the defenses of the castle are pointed inward, like it's trying to keep something in versus keep something out. So, so all of the weaponry points inward in the middle of the castle, there is a hole that they describe like a portal to hell that basically like all these weird cryptid phenomenon and stuff happen around the castle. All these like stories of like people dying, being eaten by weird cryptic beasts. And it's just this hole in the ground that they have never been able to explore. They lowered a man. There's a, there's a story. They lowered a man into this hole. He came out with a shock of white hair, wouldn't speak and died three days later. And nobody can explain what happened or why that happened. And there's just not a lot of history about this particular castle, except for that there's a hole in the middle of it Everybody's afraid of that hole and all of the weapons are pointed inward, which is uncharacteristic of castles.
0: That's true. Has anyone sent uh, like a camera down the hole? Not that I know of. Oh, okay. That seems like a low step. Seems stakes. like a logical step, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sort of investigation. So I was going to yeah. say, like, I could see someone like building a vacation castle way out in the middle of nowhere, but what's weird is to have the defenses pointed inward. That I don't really understand unless it was built to like, lure some people in, like the Red Wedding. Yeah. You know, where it's like you you're luring people in under the guise of friendship just to just to murder them. Yeah. I would feel like for that family, the inward pointing weapons would be a red flag. Yeah. Or whoever the guests were, maybe it's not a family. But also that wouldn't make the castle less creepy if that he was used to like slaughter a bunch of innocent people. Right. Right. Yes. This sounds like a creepy place. I was trying to like figure out how could I justify this existence. And it sounds like more than anything, it was based off of, you know, creepy folklore. Yeah. That's a lot of resources to devote to creepy folklore. So.
1: Yeah. Well, especially when people are reporting like bat people carrying other people away and carrying cattle away.
0: I would love to visit this place. This sounds really fun and bring a camera because I don't need to lower myself into holes that I don't know what's in them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I would prefer to stay out of those holes too.
0: I finished watching the descent one and descent two recently. And I think I've, I've, I'm perfectly prepared to not (laughs) go into these holes.
1: Yeah, spelunking is not a thing that's on your bucket list anymore.
0: Well, I don't know. It's funny because I actually feel like I would enjoy spelunking as long as I had a lot of safety protocols in place. Like, I'm not going to go just explore a cave that no one's ever been in without any kind of way of getting out or making sure that I could possibly be safe.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, for some people, caves are creepy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They can be. (laughs) See that? That's a good point. Yeah. So, speaking of that, What makes things creepy? And we've sort of mentioned this already, but another characteristic here is this overwhelming gap in knowledge, and it's that sense of the unknown. So, for instance, outer space generates quite a bit of curiosity, but many people do consider space exploration to be creepy. And that's really due to how little we know about our observable universe. And if outer space doesn't creep you out, that's okay. Just think of how little we know about the ocean and the creatures that live in it. Because apparently we know what I've heard anyway, and I don't know how true this is, is that we know more about the moon than we do the ocean or something of that nature. Yeah, that sounds about right. And so there are a lot of areas of the ocean that we have never mapped, that we have no information on whatsoever. There are probably a lot of species we have never discovered. Mm -hmm. I imagine them to be very, very, very large. And definitely would eat a human without hesitation. Yeah. So bam. There's your chills. <laughs> There's your chills. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's horrifying. The ocean is horrifying. Yeah. I I struggle with going into the ocean. I've been able to overcome this a little bit. And I like went swimming with manta rays. Oh. But that was a w- most work. <laughs> and I also was like definitely screaming bloody murder as they're approaching me. <laughs> Like the- <laughs> yeah. It was definitely it was like you know, Tina on Bob's I was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> it's you know, living in Florida, we just that's just the normal thing. It's like there's just sharks, and you go, okay, if it's my time, I've got to go.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't wish ill on any of these creatures, but you know, the, it's funny because the the guides are are telling people don't don't try and touch the manta rays. I'm like, under no circumstances could you pay me enough money to try and touch one of these animals. Like, I want to keep my distance. They're beautiful, and I love looking at them, but I have no interest in touching them whatsoever.
1: I've never touched a manta ray, but I've touched stingrays, and they're, they feel very smooth. I've, like, pet dolphins and stuff, and that's, like, a whole thing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Sea life and me do not want to touch one another, I think.
1: But that's fine. <laughs> we
0: can keep you mutually exclusive. Yeah. I think it's just everybody wins in that situation.
1: Yeah. So we talked a lot about like kind of like the context that are creepy and things that are creepy, but what makes people creepy? Because I think there is this really interesting kind of space where we've all had this experience where we've met somebody who's been creepy or we've gotten some kind of weird vibe from somebody. And we and it's worth explaining maybe kind of the characteristics
0: that go along with that, right? So And so far we haven't talked about people, we've only talked about things.
1: Right, exactly. We've only talked about things except, yeah, exactly, specifically <laughs> Mitch McConnell. So, <laughs> so to be fair, clowns are people, but we're going to get into that oh, whole thing, too. Now, that's true. That's good where point. does this feeling come from? Like, what is this? We're not sure why we shouldn't be around this person or these people and they're kind of uncomfortable. What is going on? So, McAndrew and Koenig, I believe it's how it's pronounced, in 2012, conducted the first ever known study about creepiness, trying to explore what makes a person creepy. And... Could you imagine being that part of that study? Like your characteristics are included in that study. Like, right. do you think mustaches are creepy? And like, thirteen hundred people are like, yes. Oh they're, God! They walk up like, to you and
0: they say, "Hey, we're doing a study on what what makes things creepy. Would you be one of our creepy things? You already have that creepy vibe. I would be so bummed out if somebody told me that. I mean, I worked <laughs> at when I was working at Starbucks
1: and my hair was a little bit like shorter and my beard was bushier. Somebody told me I looked like the Geico caveman commercial guys, but like in a good way, is what they said. I'm like, I don't know how to take that in a good way. So, like, I don't know. Like, if somebody asked me to, like, be in a study for creepiness, I would probably be pretty bummed.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, they conducted the survey. They wanted to figure out what makes something creepy. They asked about both physical appearance and behavior. Mm -hmm. And one part of the study, the researchers would mimic the movements of the participants. And in this part, the participants reported that. Once they realized this was happening, they felt the temperature in the room drop and got a creepy feeling. Mm. So they were imitating the people who were in there. So they just kind of did whatever they did.
1: Yeah. So basically, yeah, the researcher would sit with the participant. They would ask them questions. And whenever the participant would like scratch their face or scratch their head, the the researcher would do the same thing and do it like pretty soon after or like right when they were doing it and mimic them so closely that it was like, oh, I don't like that.
0: So essentially having feeling like your behavior is being monitored And then replicated by somebody else without any rhyme or reason for doing so was felt as being creepy because I consider there might be a situation when you're specifically training somebody to do something you're like, do exactly how I do this. And then they imitate you. That's not going to feel creepy. That's going to feel like, Hey, good. I'm doing a good job teaching. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. You're doing what I need you to do. Yeah. But if you didn't ask and someone's just copying your every movement, that would be weird. Yeah, that's
1: unsettling. So now regarding physical and behavioral characteristics, the survey included questions about things like greasy hair, lack of hygiene, thinness. Like those are examples of things that could be considered creepy. Also, obsessions about topics, whether they followed social norms and cues and mimicry. Those are different examples. But they found that overall, the biggest indicator of what was considered creepy in other people was unpredictability. The idea that you couldn't get a grasp on what that person was doing, you couldn't get an idea of what was going on, and they used this quote. So, quote, so much of what is creepy is about wanting to be able to predict what is going to happen, and that's why creepy people creep us out, because they're so unpredictable, end quote. And he had another quote here that said, quote, we find it hard to know what they're going to do next, end quote. And that is kind of a, a an indicator that things are going to get real creepy real quick.
0: I could see that being specifically tied to, as we mentioned before, a feeling of sort of danger, mm-hmm. right? I think that even if you don't necessarily suspect that they have any intention to harm you, if you can't predict what they're going to do, then that might involve harming you, regardless of what their intentions were or what you think their intentions were. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. I can, I can square that. Yeah, absolutely. It was also noted that people who have jobs that do not adhere to social norms may be considered creepy more specifically jobs that have to do with dead things you could think morticians funeral directors taxidermists they're noted to be more creepy than say garbage collectors mail carriers yeah sandwich makers yeah that sort of thing
1: but like aren't garbage collectors and like funeral directors kind of the same thing like with dead bodies just being the last bit of garbage we leave behind just toss me in a dumpster with some flowers and let me rest please
0: I think they both might disagree with you on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's fair. Yeah, that's probably a, a gross mischaracterization of both jobs. <laughs> the, see, here's the thing. In this episode, we've already we already know that we've pissed off the, the Mitch McConnell people. We're not trying to like alienate our mortician crowd or our garbage collector crowd. Like so we're sorry for that. I will offer a, a sincere apology for comparing the two.
0: Or our clown I apologize. crowd.
1: Apologize. Yeah, or our clown crowd. Well, maybe. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> Fair enough. So it was also determined that people who are obsessed with sex may be considered creepy. So like sex shop owners are are considered among the creepier of people in the study. This is not us saying that. This is like the, a specific study thing. And that right. makes sense because that has to do with like maybe social norms in the United States around the topic of sex and having those conversations about sex.
0: Yeah, I think particularly I would be very curious to see how this is experienced. In other cultures, but definitely in the United States, sex, the amount of taboo that we have around sex, and also the wild disparity in different protocols and social norms in different places in the country and how people treat sex, I think that that is one that tends to be frequently experienced as creepy in almost any capacity, unless it's that sort of it's either like a romance or a very intimate situation, pretty much everything outside of a very narrow field of observation Mm -hmm. would be reported as feeling creepy
1: yeah absolutely now if you're a clown you don't have any chance so here's what the study said clowns were considered to be the creepiest profession of all because and this is based on indicators clowns are highly unpredictable they wear disguises and they do a bunch of stuff outside of social norms they don't follow social cues
0: okay that makes so much more sense now as i was hypothesizing earlier that like you've got this sort of Disfigure and distortion of normal features, but there's a lot more to it, as you said, this disguises and behaving oddly and and also unpredictably. That makes a lot of sense. So I think that's it's all sort of wrapped up in there. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. I was like, I personally don't find clowns creepy. Like, I mean, obviously the distorted ones, like I think I think Pennywise is a creepy clown. Right. But Pennywise is not a creepy clown. Pennywise is a cosmic emotional vampire. So like You know, like, let's make sure we get that lore right. Right. (laughs) You know? But the idea is like, uh, you know, it makes sense when you say, like, when these behavioral indicators, if anybody was doing these jobs, if garbage collectors were disguises and were highly unpredictable, then we would say the same thing about them.
0: Very true. All right. At the time of this episode, there's at least 10 years of research on creepiness in the current body of literature, and even that is fairly scant. Mm -hmm. But there are some theories that we'd like to share in terms of what people have suggested might contribute to our experience of being creeped out and what makes Things creepy.
1: Yeah, so there might be that evolutionary advantage to feeling the creeps. And one thought is that this is because of agency detection. And so agency detection is an idea that it dictates that animals can identify whether another intelligent agent is nearby, such as a predator or another life form that might threaten their existence. And this increases the organism's awareness of their surroundings and imminent danger. So it's going to produce those physiological responses that we talked about earlier that increase heart rate, attuned senses, and it's going to enhance that survivability in those circumstances because that person or or that organism is more ready to escape if they need to.
0: This is kind of related to what I mentioned earlier, that something that's, that is animated can be creepy because you get sort of the unpredictability piece. Something that is not animated, but all of a sudden exhibits animatedness would also probably be creepy if a rock just started all of a sudden moving around on its own or talking to you mm-hmm. or like a tree started. That's why. Know. That's why I don't like hermit crabs. <laughs> it wasn't a rock. It was a rock lobster. lobster. <laughs> the first B-52s reference on this Every, <laughs> podcast. On the show ever, everybody yeah. had matching towels. <laughs> own private Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> that band was so weird, man. So weird. All right. Anyway, so according to how we discuss events or have sort of language around different environmental cues, we're likely to create these sort of unique relationships this can also happen based on how events occur in as we described pop culture and music and media and movies and television shows and books all of that sort of stuff so let's practice this real quick what is your first thought when you hear the following are you ready let's do this okay what is your first thought when you hear hockey mask
1: personally i think of jason
0: yeah sure i would say even more than imagining someone playing hockey probably <laughs> yeah exactly about spider mm, i think spiders are creepy because they don't even fit the convention of bugs like they
1: don't even do bug things they walk creepy and they have too many eyes
0: <laughs> fair, fair enough do <laughs> have a lot of eyes mini cthulhu's <laughs> <laughs> now this is a, this is a great one this is one again in, entirely influenced by pop culture we would not at all i think have A creepy association with this, but what are your thoughts? What's your first thought when you hear the name Chucky? Rugrats. Nice. (laughs) I had to subvert the expectations, baby. You did. Not not (laughs) creepy, but not as creepy, maybe.
1: But that also explains like how you know there might be somebody out there who's never seen the movies, the Chucky movies, and that's the and that is their experience. So so like the the name Chucky is not inherently creepy until it's tied to some imagery or tied to some relationship, and that's that's really what we're getting at here.
0: Right. And the fact that someone went from Charles to Chuck to Chucky yeah, is oddly creepy in a way.
1: Yeah. Like, how'd you get there?
0: Yeah. How about the word Sleepy Hollow? Ooh, I think of Ichabod Crane. Nice. I think of pumpkins. Yeah. As heads, specifically. Oh,
1: yeah. There you go. Okay, that, that got creepy as you went forward. Like, pumpkins themselves are not creepy until you yeah. get further into it. Or, I mean, I guess jack-o'-lanterns are now creepy, knowing that they're used to light the world between heaven and hell.
0: Yeah, the purgatory candles. Yeah. All right, and then finally, Tim Burton. Batman. Nice. I was thinking <laughs> the War of the Worlds remake and how sad that made me.
1: Oh, God, that was so upsetting.
0: Or It wasn't War of the Worlds. Planet of the Apes, that's what it was.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was upsetting, too, though.
0: No, that's what, yeah. Entirely what I was thinking of when I said that. Now, the more recent Planet of the Apes reboots were wonderful. Yes. Strong. Agreed. But not, not the one with Mark Wahlberg.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Avoid that one. So it's likely that you thought of very specific things. We brought those up. I mean, I shared mine kind of what my what my thoughts were. And and obviously, when I hear Chucky, I definitely think of the horror movies. I don't think of Rugrats right away. But the idea is that, like, depending on your learner, your learning history, your relationships with those things, you might have different responses. Like Canadians are probably going to think of Yammer Yager when they think of hockey masks or like different hockey players. Right. I say all Canadians. I'm just joking the majority of Canadians. Yeah, as to say, that's racist. Is it, is it? Is that bad?
0: I don't know. I'm just
1: kidding. I don't know. I don't know. We love Canadians. <laughs> Hockey's a big thing there.
2: It's
0: true.
1: This is best explained through something called relational frame theory, how we can kind of create these new relationships with words and language beyond observable experiences. We might be able to create new rules, new guidelines, new expectations about certain stimuli or certain cues based on how we talk about them or how we experience them tangentially.
0: Perfect. All right, we have some more uh, interesting tidbits about creepiness for you.
1: Yeah, so... Let's talk about serial killer Rodney Alcala, okay? So Rodney Alcala was a, an American serial killer during the late 70s, hyper-violent, really awful. So if you have a queasy stomach, do not look his stuff up. Really, really awful. He appeared on the dating game in the midst of his spree, though. Like, he was actually on television and won the game. I remember hearing about this, yeah. Yeah, he's, something, he's sometimes called the dating game killer, which is, like, weird, because he was only on the show once. But basically, what ended up happening was he won the show, which meant he got to go on a date with a contestant and she actually declined because she said there was something off about him. There was something uncomfortable and weird about him and other contestants on the same show reported the same thing. He was uncomfortable. He was weird. There was something wrong about him and they would often cite the way he looked or the way he smiled or some of the jokes that he would say. And the man was creepy and they just couldn't identify why they were like, there's something weird about this guy. And that's just a kind of an interesting thing that people were actually tacting this. They were saying like, Hey, I don't like what's going on here, but they couldn't really pin it down.
0: Was it the fact that he was rubbing butter on his belly button while he was talking to them?
1: It might've been that <laughs>
0: <laughs> ring around the Rosie. This is one of those things where most people, eh, I don't know about most, a lot of people probably know the history about this. Now this innocent little song a kid sing and dancing around that maybe is dead because childhood is dead it's been replaced by TikTok yeah but it's you know it's a nice melody it's easy to remember then you maybe learn or remember that it's about the black plague and people dying mm-hmm. spontaneously yep all of them dying i guess so not a uh, as fun maybe as it seems
1: yeah, so when you break it down, Ring Around the Rosie references the red circles that would surround the open sores and the lesions that, exper- that were experienced by folks who had the Black Plague. Gross. Yeah, "pocketful of Posey references the herbs and flowers that people would carry around to ward off the disease. It was thought that during the Black Plague that bad air caused the plague. They were close. They were close because the plague was sometimes airborne.
0: Right. A version of it was.
1: A version of it was. So, like, they were close but not quite there. So, But the plague doctors would actually put like herbs and spices to to prevent the smells too because there were a lot of a lot of dead bodies around
0: that's why they had the beak on it is to hold the the herbs and stuff to prevent the bad air from getting and was actually one of the earlier masks or face coverings that people wore around dead bodies yeah you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right yeah and incidentally just thinking about this this idea of the bad air being perpetuated by non-scientific people who are pushing their opinions Now, there probably were some experts who believe that this was the case, but there were actually real scientists doing real work to figure out what was going on. Uh And they were getting overshadowed by those who insist on their conspiracies and crazy theories about what it was with no evidence whatsoever. (sighs) And so um, you can see we haven't come very far.
1: Yeah. History repeats itself. I mean, you talk about the new dark ages. Yeah, And then the term ashes, ashes, we all fall down is likely a reference to the burning of bodies and funeral pyres and like the the mass burnings to get rid of the bodies in some of the places, but really mostly about how so many people so often were dying as a result of the disease happening like rapidly within 24 hours. Sure. A lot of times.
0: Yeah. Generally speaking, men are often identified as being creepier than women, Mm -hmm. at least where they, you know, where these studies have been conducted. This may be a result of the violence men are capable of and specifically cited based on unwanted sexual advances. Again, thinking about how traditionally men have had a lot of power, have used their power to do untoward things and to harm a lot of people. And the fact that if you have a sexual predator, just statistically speaking, it's more likely to be male.
1: Yep, absolutely. I mean, that's pretty much like, just why things are creepy. I mean, do you want to hit take home points on this stuff or do you have any other tidbits you want to share?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that last one partially explains why the incel community feels creepy, but um, no, I think, I think the main take home point is that what is creepy is things that are unexpected violate social taboos and they are out of context in whatever. So they either are simply appearing out of context or they're acting out of context And things that particularly it doesn't have to create a sense of danger, although a lot of time it does. But I think it is just that that feeling out of placeness that is what makes something creepy.
1: Yeah. The things that we we can't explain or we can't expect really make it creepy. And then also to how we relate certain things. Yeah, there you go. The name Chucky isn't creepy until you pair it with a murderous doll. (laughs) <laughs> if you pair it with a cute redheaded baby that is kind of nervous about everything then that's a, it's a very different different relationship that you have with that name right so i think i think how we talk about things and how we relate things also changes the way that we experience them i mean we know that to be true but it's just kind of interesting how creepy things kind of take on those same characteristics
0: right absolutely I don't think I have anything else. Do you have any other, uh, other points to hit?
1: No. I'm also horrified of the ocean, so I don't know if I explained that before, but the ocean, the ocean is very creepy to me. So that, as we were putting this together, it, was very, it made me very nervous to talk about it, even though I like <laughs> swimming in the ocean.
0: <laughs> All those jellyfish. Yeah. Ooh, no thanks. Yeah. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Let's uh, do some recommendations. Let's do it. Recommendations. All right, I am going to recommend a mobile game. It is available at least on iOS and Android devices. It might be available on others as well. It is based off of a card game. It's called Morels. Mm -hmm. You can play it with other people. It's a pretty straightforward card game. I think it has a tutorial, but essentially trying to just collect these cards that are mushrooms. (laughs) They have pictures of mushrooms on them, and they're different types of mushrooms, and you're trying to collect the same types, more or less. And there's a deck of cards. They're out in like a line on the table and the thematically you're foraging for mushrooms and the, and the line of cards is like a forest trail. That's the thing, okay. but it's always moving. Like whenever you take a turn that you're sort of advanced the trail. So that means that you miss an opportunity. You can have to decide which ones you're going to take and which ones you are going to miss. Well, you might try and prevent your opponent from getting, and it's originally set up as a two player game. And I think on the mobile device it is, but it has a good AI against which you can play. So um, that's my recommendation is if you want something to do while you're pooping on the toilet (laughs) is download this Morels card game. I like that. And if you want to message me privately, I might, I might be willing to uh, try playing a game with somebody online if they don't creep me out. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mushrooms, mushrooms are weird, but they're not creepy. No, they're cool. I like them. Yeah, they're fine.
1: Well, I made a recommendation called House of Leaves, and it's a book by a man named Mark Z. Danielewski, and it is an incredibly creepy book. So if you're not familiar, it is the debut novel by this author. It came out in 2000, and it made me afraid of the dark.
0: You have definitely mentioned this before in another episode. I can't remember what episode it was or what was the context, but I know you've mentioned this to me before.
1: Yeah, I may, it might have been Why We're Afraid of the Dark. Oh, that would make sense, yeah. So what's interesting about this is it's it the plot is broken up into three parts. You've got the Navidson record, you've got Johnny's story, and you've got the Whalestow letters. Now, basically, what it is is this guy, his name's Johnny. He discovers this like these manuscripts in his neighbor's apartment. The neighbor has passed away, and he's like gone crazy. He's like sealed all his windows. He's written and scribbled all over these notes, and this book is putting together. Like, uh, essentially like Johnny's trying to organize all of these records. Huh. So there's like hand scribbled notes on stuff. There's like, it looks like pages are taped together and like, it's like, doesn't really like it reads like a found, like found footage almost, but it's about this house that all of a sudden starts to morph and change. And one day a door opens in one of the walls and it goes into a dark labyrinth that is freezing cold and lightless and continues to move and shift and they think there's a monster in there and it is horrifying it is horrifying it's a project read it's definitely one that you have to like take your time to read it you know you're not going to read it in like 10 sittings you're going to read it over many many months but it is one that like really it it made me afraid of the dark like legitimately it was wild
0: all right sounds like uh interesting read yeah <laughs> and you're recommending
1: this <laughs> yeah i'm recommending it's it's a fun i can't well first of all i can't be alone in my fear of this so that's okay, part of it. it it's like i want you need, I want, you need someone to commiserate i need somebody yeah yeah yeah. absolutely but also too it's just it's a, it's a fun it's an interesting read it's definitely going to kind of break the norm for what you're used to reading it's not just like the text is not just like linear and all that and it's a, it's a fun project read it's it's definitely like a unique
0: experience Fair enough. Yeah. So before we go, I, we definitely need to thank the people who help make this podcast happen. They're the people who support us on Patreon. So those people are Amanda, Justine, Justin, Layla, Megan, Mike M, Mike T, and Shauna. Thank you so much for your continued support of our podcast. Also, I'd like to thank the whole team. Thank you, Shane, for writing hey, today's notes. Anytime. Thank you, Amber, for your work in social media. Thank you to Selena, Kyle, and Alan for all the work that you guys do, both in notes in the background and all the amazing contributions that you make. Thank you, listener, for making it to the end. If you would like to tell us about a mobile game that you like or a creepy book that Mm -hmm. you would, for some reason, recommend, if you are a (laughs) creepy person, (laughs) a creepy person or you know some creepy people you would like to throw under the bus, you should reach out to us. Let us know. We may share your your story with others. You can reach us at info at www.podcast.com. You can also reach us on all the social media platforms. Our handle is the same and all those places. If you reach us on one of those, we'll respond. We'll get back yeah. to you. We, we don't ignore people. Unless you're like, not actually trying to get in contact with us, but trying to like, get us to sell your stuff. We don't really do that part of it. But if you want to talk to us, we really like saying hi. Yeah. Hearing from people and how they're doing. Anything else, Shane? Nope. That's it today. All right. I think we are good then. This is Abraham. And this is Shane. We're out. See ya.
2: You've been listening to why we do what we do. Why we do what we do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcast or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at WWDWWDpodcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes